morning, everyone. Guys, so good to be back, but my gosh, I heard that Gary Peterson like knocked it out of the park last week. He got some bad on that and just took it. Gary, yeah, he is here today. Gary, thank you so much. It was great. Let's give it to him just louder and bigger and stronger. Yep. We are so blessed to have Gary and his wife Judy here. I mean, to have a brother like this who's a part of our congregation, kind of unnoticed by many of us behind the scenes with that kind of like just capacity to bring the word, brother, God bless you, thank you. You let me be a truck driver for my daughter last week getting her out of college, all right? Much obliged. Guys, it is so good to be back today. And before we jump into our Hebrew words, I want to talk to you about an email I sent out earlier this week, but it's got a big implications for us here and what's coming this June. So we've been working on this project called First Wave, and it was really an inception all the way last April. Those of you who have been veteran with us might remember that we've been fighting up against these space limitations here at Fellowship of Faith for some time. And a couple of years ago, I mean, before COVID, like back in the BC era, you know, if we could remember this, do you guys remember that we were actually talking about doing some kind of multi-million dollar expansion to this campus, blowing out this wall, new worship space, and we were excited, but it didn't look quite right, and we were in that planning process, and then... Well, COVID hit, right? And it was actually last April, maybe a month deep into COVID, at least after the shutdowns started happening here in this country, where the crazy man Todd Wielgoss suggested, maybe we shouldn't be thinking about 2.5 million. Maybe we should be thinking about what can we do right now for 250,000. And we talked to architects, and last summer we, we gathered as a congregation, and you guys gave and gave and gave and made it happen. And the loft went up, and the deco started to happen, and children's ministry started to come in. Guys, incredible news. Last week, fire marshal came in, and we passed. <laughs> Building inspector came in. Occupancy is open which means the staff is right now in a mad dash trying to get the Rock Children's Ministry area set up, trying to get those living rooms furnished, trying to get a thousand other details that are still going to be happening, truth be told, through the course of this summer up until the very beginning of fall, getting all the final touches and tweaks on this and the signage outside and things. But what this means is that the Rock Children's Ministry is opening in three weeks. June 6th, we go back to our full-service discipleship hour, if I can put it that way. And what I'd like to do is walk you through very briefly what it's going to look like here on a Sunday morning, beginning June 6th. We are keeping one service at 10 a.m. for as long as our capacity can hold it. I don't know about you, I've loved this opportunity where all of us are together in one place at one time. And we know that as the world opens up more and growth happens, inevitability is going to bring us back to two services eventually. But between the coffee house seating being opened and getting more chairs in here, 10 a.m. as long as we can hold it, all right? And uh, that doesn't mean we want you to stay home, mind you, all right? But 10 a.m. as long as we can hold it. But at 9 o'clock, we're offering a discipleship hour. And I want you to put the word hour in quotes because it will only be about 40 minutes. And here's what's going to be happening. For infants all the way through fifth grade, 
the Rock Children's Ministry will be meeting at 9 o'clock. So parents, it's time to start bringing your kids back to, a, to children's ministry here, and that's going to be happening at 9 o'clock. Boulder AM will be resurrecting for 6th through 12th grade at 9 o'clock. And now because of the way the space is configured and some of the sound deadening has happened and everything else, adults, we can do concurrent adult Bible classes and ministries at 9 o'clock right at the same time. So this is our dream for you, especially parents. You bring your children here at 9 o'clock. They get to go meet Jesus as kids back in the rock area while you get to grow into to your, your understanding of God in deeper and more profound ways with me in the Bible study that I'll be leading. We get about 20 minutes before the service kicks off and then you come together and you worship as a family from 10 to about 11.10 or whatever we kind of you know, average here at Fellowship of Faith. And parents, those of you who have younger children, Rock Children's Ministry will also be available at 10 a.m. for infants through pre-K. So it's all ages at nine, infants through pre-K at 10. But let's face it, if you're in kindergarten and you can sit through three hours of kindergarten, you can certainly do an hour of church in this room and get something out of it. So that's our hope, and that's coming what date? So stay kind of tuned into the website. Make sure to sign up for e-news. We'll continue to keep you posted as things go forward. And uh, it's happening. I mean, it, it's finally here. And uh, I, I can't wait. I mean, it has been too long that we've been able to enjoy this kind of thing. And it is finally here. So guys, I'm just going to give a shout out to you. Rock on. Way to all the things that you've done to make this happen, the way you've given to make this happen. And we know that this is the first wave of a number of waves that we see coming even this summer and next fall and next year in the couple of years to follow, which we're so excited to share a little bit more with you this coming June and July. So let's put that over there and let's come back into six words. These last few weeks, I've been sharing with you six Hebrew words, six Hebrew words that come out of the, the prophet Isaiah, that book of Isaiah you'll find in the Old Testament, but truth be told that you'll find peppered throughout the scriptures. Six words that serve as mind anchors that if you get this word in, in a sort of a, a conceptual field around this word, what it means and how it's used, it'll give you some kind of anchor by which to understand God and his interaction and more importantly his attitude towards this world, towards you, and the call he brings on our life. I want to do some review because I'm not going to take for granted that we remember these words week to week. We started right after Easter with Ahava. It's the only way you could say it. Ahava, right? God's love for you. The attitude God had towards Israel. His Ahava, his, his intimate friend, his chosen, his soulmate, if I can put it that way. God, God is overflowing with Ahava. You might even be able to say God is Ahava. But then in week two, we move to Chesed. Yeah, you didn't go for that one too boldly. <laughs> Give it to me. We're going to get these all on our tongue today. Chesed. Of course, that's really getting it more in your throat, isn't it? 
What is chesed? Surely goodness and chesed will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, as Psalm 23 will put it. God's mercy, God's covenantal faithfulness, God's loyalty, God's unfailing and steadfast love. No single way you can really capture it with one English word, but hopefully you have that feel because when God's ahava feels like it's waning, you know that God's chesed still remains firm. And then we journeyed into some new country, the God with the hama'af, right? Do you remember the God with the hama'af? Literally, the God with the burning nose, a God who does get angry. A God who gets angry about things that matter. That matter in this world, that matter to us, that matter to him, we get angry. God gets angry too, but the good news is that God has a really big nose. It's big honking nose to contain anger that God's nose is long, as Isaiah will put it, so the anger doesn't come pouring out. And we've seen that we have a God who is kina. Give me the kina. Coffee house, give me the kina. Beautiful. They did a good job, didn't they? All right. A God who's jealous. A God who's jealous for you. Jealous and zealous and passionate. For you. And we had Gary Peterson last week bringing you some Nachem Rachem action. I'm not sure which of the two words, I mean, it's kind of both, they kind of homogenize, but, but Nacham and Racham, the God who comforts, right? The God who just nurtures, the God who, like a mother, bringing up her child to her, to, her, to her breast, to her chest, to herself, to her womb. I mean, this, this is imagery right out of Isaiah, but you're ready for the final word today. We've done the journey through Ahava, through Chesed, through Hama'af, through Kinah, through Nakam. Here it is. How would you pronounce it? Yeah, it's like, is it Hefzibah? Is it Hefzibah? Is it Hefzibah? Well, you see those two little dots over the ba? Well, you don't know what the ba looks like. You see those two little dots over the left side? That's where your accent is. It should be pronounced hefzibah. And it's the ba. It's, uh, Hebrew loves the back end for the accent. Hefzibah. Give me a hefzibah. Hefzibah. God's... Oh, you keep giving it to me. That's good. All right. God's... Hefzibah, what does it mean to be Hefzibah? What is God's Hefzibah? What do we understand about God even having a Hefzibah? Well, let me show you what I think is the most pivotal passage in the Bible that we do happen to find in Isaiah that this word comes out of. For Zion's sake, the prophet writes, I will not keep silent. Speaking for God, hear God saying this through this prophet Isaiah. For Zion's sake, Yahweh says, I will not keep quiet. 
You know who Zion is. Zion is Jerusalem. Zion is his Ahava. Zion is the one who is his soulmate. Zion is the one who is being hurt and wounded and abandoned and destroyed. Zion is the one it seems like God has abandoned. But Yahweh says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Because when you love something and are passionate about something and seek to nurture something, you don't just sit on the sideline. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of Yahweh will bestow. You will be a crown of splendor in Yahweh's hand, a royal diadem, a crown, right? In the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or your name or the name of your land desolate. And here it is, but you will be called, say it with me, you will be called Hephzibah. And your land will also get a name. Not just you, also your land. Beulah, all right? You will be called Hephzibah. Your land will be called Beulah. For Yahweh will take delight in you and your land will be married as a young man marries a maiden. So will your sons marry the land again. You, as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Hear this, God will rejoice over you because you, Zion, you, Zion, will be my Hephzibah. Now, I've got to be honest, this one's a little rough for me because whenever I say Hephzibah, especially related to a woman, doesn't it just sound like heifer to you? <laughs> Is there a lady here today that wants to be called heifer? I've never seen it. It's where my mind goes, but it's not where Isaiah's mind goes, all right? Because what a hefzibah is, is, well, very literally, hefetz, delight, ba, in, ah, her, delight in her, hefzibah. No longer will they call you deserted or your land desolate, but you will be called delight in her. As though Yahweh is saying, my delight is in her. I delight in her. And your land will be named Beulah, which means married. And so it says, for Yahweh, you'll be named that. For Yahweh will delight in you. Yahweh will delight in you. And your land will be married, not separated, not divorced, not broken, not estranged, not abandoned, but married again, God will give you a new name. What's your name? We're going to do this Pentecostal style. We're all going to shout it out at once, all right? What's your name? Shout it out. That was clear to everyone, right? Now everyone knows each other so well. Not anymore. No, God's got a new name for you. However good your name is, 
And however it identifies you and however essential it is to you and however much you, you like or maybe even dislike your name, however important that name is, God has a more important name for you. God has given you a new name. Hefzibah. Since we're all such fast friends now, what I'd like you to do is turn to the person next to you and introduce yourself and say, hi, my name is Hefzibah. Whenever you're here, whenever you're here at Fellowship of Faith, and like we all have this moment, right? And those of you who are newer with us, it's okay, but be patient with us, all right? You know how this goes? I've seen this person for like nine months every other week, and there's no way I'm asking their name again. We've been there. If you've been in that place where you've met someone repeatedly, and then you just can't remember their name, would you put your hand, would you just own it, right? right? We've all been there. And for those of you who are new here and you feel like you're in the same place, like, oh, everyone knows me or everyone knows. No, they don't. They're faking it. They're faking it all the way, right? Whenever you're here at Fellowship of Faith and you don't remember that person's name, go, hey, Hefzibah, Hefzibah. Oh, good to see you again. And then just roll with it. If they try to, no, 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 God delights in you, brother. God delights in you. I need to read this to you with some of the original Hebrew names because I geek out on this kind of stuff. We'll leave this up here, but let me read that second paragraph to you again just so you hear it. No longer will they call you Ozubah. No one wants to be named Ozubah, all right? Because what does Ozubah mean? Like forsaken, deserted, abandoned. Think about it in terms of marriage. Divorced. No, no longer will they call you Ozubah. No longer will it look as though God has written you off, given you a certificate of divorce, and said, I want nothing more to do with you. No, whatever it may appear on the outside and whatever it looked like for Zion, suffering in exile under the Babylonians separated from God, in exile from God, away from the people and place and temple of God, whatever it looks like, however it might look like God had written them off, he says this, no longer will you be called Ozubah. No, your name is not Ozubah. You're Hefzibah. Not Ozubah, but Hefzibah. The next one's better. Or name your land Shimama. <laughs> that great? It's supposed to be Shimama, but you just can't say it that way, right? No longer will you be Shimama, you know? No longer will you be Ozubah. No longer will you be Shimama. No, you will be Hefzibah. And your land, Beulah, God has given you a new name. And for God, names mean something. I named my kids because I liked the sound of it. Or because I knew someone with the name. Or because it just kind of resonated in the right time. It, but at no point was there this sense that when I give you this name, there will be a sense of destiny attached to it, right? Otherwise, it's going to be really interesting for my oldest daughter's Reagan, who, who's named Reagan Makaira, which actually means rules with a sword. All right? No, we liked how it sounded, right? But when God gives a name, it means something. It indicates something. It's meant to speak to the nature of who you are or what will be. And God says, Zion, you will be my Hefzabah. God looks at you and says, 
Hephzibah. I delight in her. I delight in you. That will be your destiny. Whatever your name might be, whatever you think your destiny might be, no God has a different name for you. This is my wife's favorite verse. If you ever get an email from my wife, you know, you send her an e email or, or she reaches out to you. You know, like, like people like to do this, we always tagline our emails now or a lot of us, you have your name and then people will put like a favorite proverb, a favorite passage. She's been doing this for years. She, she argues, I think, and I'll let her speak for herself momentarily, that this is her favorite passage in the Bible. And I thought it's better to hear from her than her through me as to why. So I thought maybe I could have my Hephzibah come up here and tell you about Hephzibah today. So would you welcome Tina to the stage? Hey, Hephzibah. That was really good. You like that? Is my mic on? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. So those of you who don't know, this is my wife, Tina, and we've been married, it'll be 25 years this July. Yeah. Quarter century mark. And he called me Hefzibah, so it'll be another few years. What's that? Since you called me your Hefzibah, we can stay married a couple uh, yeah, more years. We got years. a couple more. We got a little more mileage here. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Um, just take it. Why is this your favorite passage? Okay, what before is before we this? go there, I just want to tell you that God has an amazing sense of humor. So I do the pre-game and the post-game show for the live streamers. Live streamers, shout out, we love you. And so all week long, I knew Dave was choosing this word and I knew that he was choosing it for me. And so all week long, actually it's kind of been building for the whole word series. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I was just had this great idea. I'm gonna, cause I know Dave sometimes watches the pre through the through the camera and be like, Dave, this is a passage that has literally changed my life. Don't blow it. You know, and then... It's, it's my daily Sunday morning pep talk, by the way, it. from Tina. Don't blow it. Okay, so I, I'm, I'm all excited to do this. And then on Friday, Friday? Just Friday. Well, I don't know, it's your story. We're driving, <laughs> and Dave's like, yeah, I'm not really too prepared for Friday. How about you do it, or for Sunday? How about you do it for me? Wait, you're never supposed to tell them that I'm not prepared for Sunday. <laughs> all right? Wait, 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 wait. wait. Saturday you here. got prepared. <laughs> So anyway, God's humor is that I was going to call Dave out, you know, don't blow this. And now God's like, Tina, don't blow it. I love the Lord. <sighs> I love the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Hardcore. So, All right. so why? What is it about this passage? Because normally someone who's going to come across, like, I'll, I'll call you Hephzibah, I'll call you Beulah, especially out of Isaiah, especially out of poetry, especially out of the Old Testament. I mean, we, we've been down that path, but why this? What does it for you here? Okay, so you have to understand that coming up to Hephzibah was a long process. I was going through Isaiah for many, many years, and Isaiah does a really good job of really making you realize how little you have to offer God. How, in fact, how not, you have nothing to offer, how you're actually like worse than that. And, and then all of a sudden, it, it changes. Like, but even though God's going to rescue you, even though God's going to redeem you. And I'd grown up in the Christian church. I loved God my whole life. I knew this. But so much of that was out of a sense of duty. God's going to save me because he has to. He promised he would, and he's got to keep his promise. God's going to love me because he has to. 
right? That's, that's, that's just the how it is. The nature of who he is, yeah. And, and yeah. I never want to be loved out of duty, you know? And so, so much of what I thought about God was God loves me because he has to. God saves me because he has to. And I came to this passage and it's like, wait, he doesn't do it because he has to. He does it because he wants to. He does it because when he looks at me, even though I'm nothing good, like, he delights in me. And, and it was just, it was such a shift. And I was 26 when I came across it. So a lifetime of knowing God, of loving God, but then realizing it's so much deeper than what I actually thought it was. It's so much more from God than I thought it was. It's, it, it, just, it just changed everything in how I interacted with God, how I prayed, how I treated my kids, how I treated, I don't know, it just, it just changed everything. And, and I don't know if you'd resonate with this, but I've met so many people who have people that are faithful to them, and that is so important, and that has yes. to be a rock-solid foundation, but don't feel delighted in. Yes. Especially by those who are close to them, by a parent, by a spouse, yeah. by... My uh, mom and dad are divorced, and my dad pretty much just up and left. He would occasionally send in his child support, but my dad didn't delight in us. He didn't love us kids, and the first chance that he got to stop paying child support, he stopped. The first chance that he got to be done, he left. There was no delight from my dad. He did his duty. He did what he was legally required to do, that sometimes we had to get the attorneys in to make sure that he followed that, that obligation. And I don't think it's a unique story. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe the unique situation, of course, your family dynamic, but I think all of us, or many of us at least, have faced this in one way or another, where you're in a relationship with someone, yeah. and it should be heftzabah. Yeah. Right? Ideally, it would be heftzabah. I see this with married couples. I see this with, with parental relationships, mm -hmm. deep friendships that have falling outs, yeah. whatever it might be, and it's just... Yeah. We all fall out of heftzabah for a while, but when it becomes a state of being. Yes, yes. A, a state of life. It, you don't have to show your hands, but how many of you have been in this place where I think he loves me, but I don't know if he likes me anymore. Yeah. I know in our own relationship we've had seasons yeah. like that. Anyone who gets 25 years is going to have periods like that, right? You do. Right? And you can admit it, right? Friday and was a little bit like that. Friday was a little <laughs> bit like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Opening comments today, I'm rethinking yeah. some things, you know? It... <laughs> but it is, and it is, and this is why you need six Hebrew words, because there are times when hefzabah is waning, and chesed has to keep it propped up, but it should never be existing yeah. as an either-or. Yeah. And the thought that God, e even when those closest, even times yeah. when we've had it, y you know, faithfully married, Mm -hmm. for 20, almost 25 years, e e even in times when, when it's waned between the two of us, that God is still looking at you going, whatever Dip Dave has become, you know, whatever kind of stupidity he, he's missing in seeing you, God's looking, Tina, my hefzabah. Yeah. And the same yeah. to me. You know, I, you, I'm on Facebook a lot, and you see a lot of people sharing these memes or even just commenting like, if somebody doesn't love me 100% the way that I am, then I don't want them in my life. Okay, you guys are no good. Nobody's going to love you 100% how you are now. You have to be, you have to realize your own faults. And then when you realize your own faults, God's hefzibah for us is so much 
better than what we even realize. Yeah, yeah. So look, we're not going to beat the dead horse on this. I think he got the spirit, but more importantly, the... from the gut on it. Thanks for coming up. You're welcome. Appreciate it. I want to share with you the extent of God's hefzibah from you. There's a, a, a classic passage out of Isaiah. Ten bucks says that if you only had like vague familiarity with two or three passages from Isaiah, this would probably be one of them, all right? It's, it's, it's a solid what you would call like Good Friday kind of passage. It comes out of what's called the servant songs, which we've talked about here and maybe pick it up in our previous um, recordings if you've missed it. But of Isaiah 53, it talks about this servant that is so clearly Christ that God will raise up. And it says it was Yahweh's, um, and I deleted the word, but it was Yahweh's Hephzibah to crush him. It was Yahweh's delight. Look it up in the NIV. That's kind of my standard go-to. And you're going to get the word translated like it was Yahweh's will to crush him. No, it's Hephetz. It's Yahweh's Hephzibah. It was Yahweh's delight to crush him, who? Jesus, and cause him to suffer. Isaiah will go so far to say God delighted in that. And though Yahweh makes Christ's life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the Hephzibah of Yahweh will prosper in his hand. Look, don't go the wrong way with this. I don't think it's saying that God somehow was sadistic. The Father in heaven was sadistic and somehow enjoyed orchestrating and propagating the torture and destruction of his son. But it's setting up a contrast that God's delight for you and his creation is so great that the only way that he can even go about expressing that is to say God delighted in destroying his son out of his delight for you. That's how much God loves you. That's how much you mean to God. And not just, as Tina said, out of duty, not just out of his intrinsic goodness in nature, and certainly not out of anything intrinsically good in you. Because Tina, you're right, we're a mess. We're a mess, and the quicker that we can admit it, the quicker we can get on with it and start living a life based in reality rather than a figment of our own imagination. But God delights nonetheless in you, his broken, ruined, sinful, unclean creation so much that Isaiah would write it was his hafzabah to send Jesus to a cross. If you ever doubt the delight of God in your life, look to that cross. And remember, that's how much God delights in me. It's fascinating that the final words of Jesus don't come out of one of the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The final words of Jesus recorded in the New Testament are found in the last book of the Bible, one known as Revelation or the Apocalypse of John. 
The final words of Jesus, if you were using like one of those red letter Bibles, they would be read. That are recorded in the Bible were spoken by Jesus after his crucifixion, after his resurrection, and more significantly, after his ascension into heaven, when he appeared and came to John in a vision and spoke to him and said, buddy, write this down. He even goes so far later to say, write this down. These words are trustworthy and they are true. You got to get this straight. This is too important a stuff to let die with your memory. And here's a snippet of what he says. Whoever has ears, so can I ask, do you have them? Then listen. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is saying this. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus' words directly to you. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. What does that mean? I don't care. <laughs> I will give to that person a white stone. What does that mean? I don't care. It's cool, but let's not get bogged down on it. And if you've always really wanted a white stone in your life, well, hey, even better news. But more significantly today, I will give one with a new name written on it. Known only to the one who receives. And do you know what I think that name happens to be? Hephzibah. Hephzibah. God says that's the new name that I've written down in a book of life for you. Are you getting the gravity of this? Of how much you mean to God? Of how overflowing and abundant and big, I, I don't even know how to give language to this. How completely consuming God's desire is for you and the people of this world. Embrace your new name. Own your new name. Wear it with joy. May it define you as what God says of his attitude towards you, which is the most important attitude to be concerned with in this world and his destiny for you as well. You you. Yeah, you. Whatever mess or wreck your life is, you. God says you are Hephzibah to me. Six Hebrew words. By them I hope and pray that you have come to see more deeply and fully just how God thinks of you today.